triumph in the trap. This is a dog. <laughs> Do you believe in miracles? Hey, I play chess, but only in 4D. I'm by myself, but they think I'm 4D. When they see me online, they think they know me. Go ahead, like and subscribe. You gotta show me. I applied pressure and they tried to reject it. Clearly, ain't see I was a diamond, so they didn't accept it. Told me I was a failure, so I said, F it. Might even start my own school and teach them a lesson. Yeah, I'ma call it South Harmon. Huh. Fly down south and get the south popping. <laughs> One day, I'ma give you a walkthrough and introduce you to this walk too. <laughs> I know you lost, that's just dynasty talk Cause you can't start no franchise without no dynasty talk I took a break from the game, they throw my dynasty stop Till I came back like Wimbyama, I feel like Coach Pop I can't say that I'm the GOAT, cause you ain't gonna agree But if I own my own farm, I can make the GOAT Me, the ladies love the beard, and they used to love the goatee That's when I was a lamb, burning music on CDs I wasn't born in 88 December 87, I was 16 days away Might fly to Dallas, why not? I just got paid today When I land this dirt statue, I came to fade away Check the timeline for the stories and the play-by-play My life a Patreon link, you gotta pay to play I worked 16 hours, boy, that's an 8 and 8 X-Factor like Dez Bryant, my boy 88 Why dream light when you living like a heavyweight? This ain't a one-week thing, we grind like every day They know my destination, Devi, like I I hang with Ray. If they ain't know my name, I bet they know my name today. Treat this mic like an ATM, let's make a trade today. Drop, drop this on Fizzle Friday, cause that's my favorite day. And I'm gonna do it my way, cause that's my favorite way. They tried to put me on the shelf like I'm layaway. Told me it ain't no way, so I made a way. Huh? Welcome to South Harmon, I'm glad you're here today. Welcome to South Harm and I'm glad you here today. I'm glad you here today. Welcome to South Harm and I'm glad you here today. I'm glad you here today. Hit that Patreon link if you here to stay. Huh? Treat this mic like an ATM, let's make a trade today. <laughs> Welcome back in, everybody, to another edition of the South Harmon Spotlight. And I can't tell you how incredibly excited I am to feature this guest, Mr. Cody Carpentier himself. You know him from Roster Watch. You, of course, know him from patreon.com forward slash executives. Him and Maddie Kewum, they were kind enough to join us for an awesome draft stream, live draft, Patreon, uh, the South Harmon Patreon versus the Executives Patreon. And. So far for week one, uh, looks like uh, the executives are, are kicking ass, right? Uh, Cody, Maddie out there, Maddie about to take me down, but Cody, what's up, buddy? Thank you so much for joining. How you doing? Not too much, brother. Week one in the books, uh, just about. Um, had, had a great, you know, had a great off season. Um, like you said, I'm at Roster Watch now, and uh, we, we're building the executives on Patreon with Maddie Kiwum. So I'm I'm uh, I'm in a good headspace. I'm happy. Um, you guys are awesome, so I appreciate you having us on a uh, multitude of your shows. And, uh, yeah, I'm just in a good place, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, man. And it's one of those things. You you meet people in the space, and uh, 
the relationships grow and they get bigger and bigger and you do more and more stuff together and you and Maddie are, are really good people, man. So some guys that I really enjoy hanging around and having on and vice versa. Anytime Maddie's like, Hey, I need you on the game plan. Say less, my guy. <laughs> I'll hop over right now. But Cody, this show is all about you. It's all about the spotlight on you and you, your journey. So let's get started. Let's dive into first off. How the hell did you get into fantasy football? In the first place. How did I get into fantasy football in the first place? Rewind all the way back to day one. This probably would have been, had to be fifth grade, fifth grade probably, downloading the ESPN app for the college uh, so the college basketball tournaments, right, when you would fill out the brackets for that. Yeah. Yep. And it was like, I'd do that. I'd do the, what was the streak thing? They had like a streak competition on ESPN where you try to get like yes. the correct pick every single day. It'd be like, okay, what are you going to bet on today? Is it going to be, you know, and it was like a free thing, right? So it'd be like, oh, is, uh, you know, I don't know, Tory Hunter going to get a base hit today? Okay. You know, like I guarantee that's going to happen. And then you'd go day after day after day. And then that kind of just led into like the football season. And I've always, I grew up as a Viking fan in Minnesota and I was just always watching. And the ESPN app had fantasy football and mocks. And then it was like, I remember like that fall just, drafting and i instead of doing mocks i would do like leagues right and on espn it, they're like the same thing i don't right. think there's real leagues on espn when you sign up for a league i think they're all just mocks um but i ended up playing in like 18 leagues that first year like in fifth grade where i just drafted a bunch of them and i don't remember i have no recollection of how any of that stuff went but that's kind of how i got into it and then really um it just it just grew from there and i think uh the next step i took was probably um and like eighth or ninth grade um starting to play with more friends and 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 actually doing more things where like it's in person like oh i'm talking to buddies about it and and things like that did you uh do you remember any of those early ones think back way back to fifth grade were any of those uh favorite players that you had did you have a vikings bias back when you were selecting players of course um that was like I guess one of the one of the furthest ones back was I, I remember like Sidney Rice. So that'd have been like oh yeah. That'd have been like that'd have been like two thousand eight, maybe two thousand eight, two thousand nine of like the Sidney Rice's Cheshire Taylor was like around that two thousand five area. Um that was definitely the Viking bias. And then of course Adrian Peterson came in and then that was the A one steak sauce from the jump. Um <laughs> watching him, so I've as like I said, I'm a Viking fan. My family's had season tickets for I think like fifty, I don't know what it is now, fifty some odd years. Um so I've gotten the privilege to go to like, I think I'm, I think I'm just over 70 Viking games uh, in my back pocket now. And so I got to go to, I got to see a bunch of stuff from 2005 onwards. Um, first one was ever the, was always the Vikings versus Jaguars. I think it was 2004 Kevin Williams. I don't know if you remember that you're from Iowa. So maybe you do know the Vikings Oh yeah, a little bit history, oh, yeah. but Kevin Williams was one of my favorite players because the first game I ever went to, he had like a 73 yard fumble return for a touchdown. Um, but yeah, I guess it was just really watching the Vikings and that definitely was my 1000% bias here until about four years ago, um, when I really started to get into the industry. And then I was like, all right, if I'm going to be in this industry, I can't be a biased asshole. I need to be, you know, more understanding that there's 32 football teams with 32, uh, you know, sets of good players. It's not just like, yeah, they're playing the Vikings. So they're probably going to lose. It's like it. <laughs> it's also just not that way when you're a Viking because the Vikings aren't good uh, generally. So um, I don't even remember what your question was, but um, what I will say is that I definitely did have a bias towards Viking players when I was drafting back then, and I definitely do not now. 
I get that. I get that too. I'm a big Eagles fan too, but I've also fantasy wise, you put aside the biases and I'll draft Cowboys, even though I hate the team. Like I hate them with a passion. doesn't matter. But I also have this weird anti-Eagles bias where I'm I'm such like a negative Nelly on the, the Eagles side where I'm like, ah, this guy probably ain't going to be good. He's, he's, I almost avoid drafting Eagles at some point. So it's something in the last couple of years I had to get over. But those uh those Vikings teams back in the day, man, you were talking about Kevin Williams. I remember the Williams wall. Was it Kevin and oh, Pat? Kevin and Pat. Pat. Oh, my God, the two giant defensive tackles. Good luck running against them. Crazy, crazy that you're a Vikings fan. I'm from Iowa, so I got a lot of memories up there. I don't know how much you are into the Gophers, too, but that's always been a rivalry. Not for us, because Iowa kicks the shit out of them all the time, but Minnesota Gopher fans hate the shit out of Iowa. And it all stems from when I was a kid. I was up there the first time we won the Big Ten Championship, right? It's up there. We can clinch it by beating Minnesota in the Metrodome, right? Mm -hmm. In the Metrodome. Place is packed with Iowa fans. Iowa ends up beating them, clinching the Big Ten Championship or share. I think it was a share of the Big Ten Championship. And uh, the Iowa fans rip down the goalpost in the Metrodome and parade them outside. And I think that might have uh, fueled a rivalry that's going to last forever. So <laughs> it's, it's crazy to think of. In my first ever NFL game, Cody, watching the Vikings beat the shit out of the Philadelphia Eagles up there in the brand new u.s bank stadium which is gorgeous by the way absolutely fucking gorgeous i love the environment up there if i was an eagles fan i think i'd be a vikings fan dope environment but yeah carson Wentz sucked that game so yeah kurt cousins not many not many not not many you can't say that very many times um not many times are you going to meet somebody that's a Viking fan and an eagle fan I i will tell you that like there's a lot of viking fans that absolutely despise philadelphia because of the NFC Championship just a couple yeah. seasons ago. So um, that's interesting. I didn't know you were an Eagles fan, to be honest. I'm an Eagles fan. Eagles fan, big diehard. That that stems from me when I was a kid. Uh, everyone around here growing up in Iowa, like they're either a Vikings fan, a Packers fan, Bears fan. Like you kind of know the area. Um, but in the 90s, man, everybody was, uh, you know, the Cowboys dick riders. <laughs> yeah. Because they're winning Super Bowls. And I, I couldn't stand them. I couldn't stand them. And I remember... I think I was about fifth grade. I was watching the Eagles play on Monday night. This was before Donovan McNabb. I don't remember who the quarterback was. Bobby Joe Hoying or some shit like that. Like some some turd nugget. But the Eagles are playing the Cowboys on Monday night football. And uh, absolutely, Eagles just ripped him a new asshole. And I was like, that's it. That's how I became an Eagles fan. And it's stuck ever since. So I've been through all the bad years and finally got that Super Bowl in 17. Even though it came at the expense of your Minnesota Vikings, you know, in that championship game. It is what it is. I mean, it happens, man. It's okay. All right. Fantasy football, though. Your journey. So when did you when did you really start, like, playing for money? Like, when did it become a thing where you're like, mm, this is going to be a profit? You kind of go away from that free league, that kind of, you know, for fun, and you go, now yeah. I'm actually going to put some skin in the game, and I'm going to be sad if I lose. Um, I will say our home league, which is in year 10 right now, so I'm younger than from from i'm young for most folks um in the fantasy space i'm 26 so our our one league's 10 years old so i've been 16 so that'll put me at my uh going into my sophomore year of high school we created this one league maybe it was my junior year of high school i can't remember but that was really when everything took like the next step up like i was winning a lot of the leagues that really didn't matter um like on ESPN and Yahoo and all that stuff. And I was like, well, we can, what can I do with this? And then that's kind of when we created the home league 
And I think in 10 years, I think between me and one other buddy, I think we've won like seven or eight out of the championships in that. And that's kind of how it started was like, I think I won, he won, I won. And then that was by the time I was out of high school. And then it was, then it really took off because I was getting good at it in general. Um, so I would say probably, probably sophomore year of high school, I would say that's probably when it really ignited. And it was like, I'm not bad at this. I'm not, I'm not taking last in every goddamn league I'm doing where, you know, uh, so I think that's probably answer your question in short. And then, then it really started to take off. Huh? <laughs> then you decided now I'm going to win everybody's money. Yeah. So that was like, that was like, then that was, the league started. I did really good. Like I mentioned, and then through high school and then the freshman year of college, I'm going to be straight up honest. You know, I don't know. I hope nobody from North Dakota is listening to this, but I was at North Dakota for four <laughs> years and with my wife, met, 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 met my wife in high school, um, like my sophomore year, somewhere around there. We ended up going to college together. And like that first year was like terrible. I didn't do shit. I didn't go to class like, you know, 40, maybe like my, 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 my class uh, opportunity share was like 35%. Like I maybe, you know, yeah, it was bad. That. And that was also the year that Teddy Bridgewater tore his ACL. Uh, remember in in, in, yep. in the preseason in the camp um, where everyone was like throwing up and stuff. That was that year. And that was really the year that I started like playing, playing, playing. And it was like 27, 28 real leagues for money. And that was like my, my degenerate focus. Like I would play fantasy football and I'd play Madden and I was in college and you know what it yep. was. That was, it was. That was literally my three things. It was fantasy football, Madden and lifting period screw class. And then that next year I actually met a guy um, out in California. His name's uh, Johnny B. Um, he used to do, he, he wrote a book called the upside down uh, upside down drafting. I think it was. And he made, he had this like 53 man of fantasy football league. And I actually met this guy at a Vikings game against the Rams. I think it was that freshman year of college. And he's like, Hey man, you, you need to, uh, you need to play in my dynasty league. Cause like, uh, I've always been pretty good with just like relaying shit, like out of the newspaper, like I could right. read the stats and I could memorize all that. Very easy, ba- very baseline stuff. Right. For people that are degenerates in the sports space. Um, he's like, yeah, man, you gotta be in our dynasty league. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll do it. It's like a 53 man league IDP offensive line, the whole nine yards plus salary cap. And it's like all these dudes that are like 50 and 60 and completely rebuilt this team in a year. And the next year I was like in the final four, whatever it was. But basically why I bring this guy up is because this is the guy at that game, the Vikings game that goes, you know, who you remind me of. And I was like, dude, I've known you for eight minutes. You know, you know, my buddy that sold you the tickets to this game. He's sitting next to me, right? It's these are, these are our seats. And we have a buddy that has two seats right next to us right. And, and whatever. There's that connection there. And it's just kind of one of those things, right? That, that that's one of those things in life that you don't ever plan, but it just happens. And if this never happened, I don't know where I would be currently. Right. Is that my buddy sold these tickets to this guy. This guy sits down next to me at a Vikings Rams game. We're talking fantasy football the entire time. And during that game, he goes, you know, who you remind me of, I was like, dude, again, you don't even know me. I've talked to you for eight minutes. He's like, you remind me of this guy named Matt Kelly. He's the pod father. He goes, he's an asshole. And you remind <laughs> me of him. He's like, you, you, you act just like him. I was like, oh yeah, really? Cause I don't know who the hell you're talking about. And so then I go home, I turn Matt Kelly on, listen to him. And everybody that's listened to the pod father knows, you know, how he is and his energy and yes. things like that. Um, I try to be 
like on the professional side when I do shows, but I I'm I'm a I'm a I'm an asshole like not an asshole like a bad one, but like I'm an asshole as far as just like I have an immense amount of aggression and uh what's the uh what's the other word uh testosterone yes. uh, in my system right so I'm just like everything's just like tense like right um so I kind of I got the connection there and then so yeah I go home and listen to Matt Kelly and I'm like yeah I guess this guy's not completely wrong I guess but I've never done a podcast before. <clears throat> Um, so that was, that was, um, in, during my freshman year of college. So I listened to Matt from like during that, that, I don't know what season that was 17 or 16 or whatever it was. I think it might've been 2017 into that next spring into that next summer. So I listened to him for about a year. That was when the Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore draft came around and that discussion, he got a lot of heated with people on Twitter back then. Yeah. And then that fall, yep. that fall, um, he did like he posted something on Twitter for for like Patreon or something to uh to become a charter and then that's when that next step happened. So, yeah, I got I got I got to tie it all the way back to Johnny B. Uh, I met him at a Vikings game. And that's kind of how that that's kind of what that that big catapult was that brought me from just being a average donkey to you know pushing forth and playing in you know more leagues and taking the next step. Right, and getting to where you are now. It's so crazy too that one moment like that changes your entire trajectory and it, it's the same for for adam and i you know uh we met through uh destination devi's discord patreon right heisman tier and it, it's me in there just fighting off the hordes of people you know with my bad takes i think it might have even been like a james robinson take back in the day right like you know i still buying into james robinson and people shitting all over me for it and adam hits me up in a dm like listen i, I don't think you're crazy i actually like your opinions on this and that catapults from there, like the relationship from him and I grow. Yep. It eventually leads into us doing a podcast and growing our own thing, getting on Destination Devi and doing a podcast for more people. And then it brings it all the way here. Like we're, if I don't have a shitty James Robinson take that Adam doesn't reach out to me in DMs about, I'm not sitting here right now talking to you, Cody. Like we haven't grown this relationship because I probably never do podcasting ever. <laughs> like I just mm -hmm. sit there and argue with people about how good James Robinson was back in the day. <laughs> Who knew? It's this random a, stuff like that, though. Yeah. It's pre-Achilles tear, by the way, too. So for people to shit all over me. <laughs> well, hey, at least at least you, I'm assuming you got over that because Maddie, yeah. um, Maddie was vouching for him this uh, spring when he signed with the Patriots. Oh, no, Maddie. Let, let's hope Maddie doesn't keep <laughs> vouching for uh, J.K. Dobbins, too, after this Achilles tear, all right? Like, it's probably done. All right, Maddie. <laughs> Just let that be a lesson learned. It's it's probably over. All right, Cody, let me ask you then. Out of all the formats we have, we got C2C, we got Devi, we got Redraft, we got underdog-type best balls, DraftKings, whatever you prefer, Dynasty. If you could only play one league type, like what's your preferred? What's your preferred from here to eternity? You know, if, if that was a thing, somebody says, listen, we're doing away with everything else. You only get a choice of one. What are you doing? 110%, I would say, Redraft. Um, and that's no, uh, nothing against dynasty, nothing against Devi, nothing against best ball. I like all those formats, play them all. Um, but I found that I'm best at the redraft. I'm best at utilizing those other strategies. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest takeaways. And I don't really know how to explain it to people other than maybe it's just the fact that I'm blessed with the opportunity to do like in-person stuff, going to the combine, going to the draft, going to pro all that stuff. I think that may be a part of what makes me better at it, but I think utilizing like the, the the dynasty strategy of player selection in redraft 
and um, also studying the prospects when they come out every year has allowed me to just be better in redraft uh, overall. Also, just it sucks as someone who is in the space working, and I know people don't think that we actually work in the space, um, <laughs> but we do. We like it's not just all about people. It's, it's fun to tell people like, yeah, I play fantasy football for a living, but it's not you don't actually just play fantasy football for yeah. a living. It's actually the, the the least amount of time you put into something is play playing fantasy football because of all the other obligations that you have. Um, so in really in reality, that's why I would say I prefer redraft over dynasty because dynasty you have to be on the ball twenty four seven and I just straight up don't have the hours in the day to do that. Like that's not where my income comes from. That's not where my time can be focused. I don't, you know, I back in the day when I was in college, and I was you know not doing anything, and I was working at a, a furniture store, and you know whatever i could sit around and putts i could i could draw dra i could draw trades up every single day all day and that, i love that and there's nothing I, I love more than trading but i just don't have that type of time anymore i don't have time to sit around and make trades sit around and, and perfectly build my rosters anymore so that's why i think i've gotten better at redraft and i think i prefer redraft so much more you hit on it there too like <clears throat> i have these same conversations with like family members or whatever and they go you actually make money off of fantasy football and I said yeah it's not actually you know, I make money off of league winnings and stuff, but that's not yeah. where the income comes from. The income comes from Patreon, ads, YouTube, like all of this other stuff that we do, the warp tool that we sell. And people, when they say they think that you do fit, oh, you, you must just, you must not do anything. And it's like, no, it's actually the contrary. Like I put in 40, 50 hours a week plus a full-time job. You know, I'm working 80, 90 hours a week total. But the difference is when you look at me and I'm on camera or I'm on a podcast and I sound so happy about it, it's because it's a job that I really like doing. It's a yep. passion. And I think that's where people don't understand it because I go to my real job. Let's be honest. I don't really like going and, and getting covered in grease and busting my knuckles and breaking my back every <laughs> single day. But I do it for, you know, keep my family afloat. You know, pay for the house, pay for the cars, insurance, right? Like I got to have a real job. But when I come here and I do 40, 50 hours at home on fantasy football, I love every damn minute of it. There's some things that are monotonous. Don't get me wrong. Nobody likes sitting, going through and editing a video or editing a podcast. And if you do, you're, you're kind of crazy. But, <laughs> but getting to do it and getting to do the content, that's what's so exciting. I think that you hit on it perfectly. Is that people don't get it. They're like, oh, who could have thought you could make money doing that? And it's like, no, it's not what I'm doing. It's like no. you're, I'm I'm watching every game. I'm you know diagnosing box scores, diagnosing what the players are doing, scouting. Um, um, you're conversating with other people that are playing. You're you know building your team. You're running a business. You're like there's so many things that go into it. people are just like that doesn't even make sense. And they but that doesn't have to make sense to them, right? Like I wouldn't expect to walk up to my aunt and be like, "Who would have thought you could make a job sitting at a desk selling paper?" It's like, right. Well, that, that that sounds dumb too, right? That doesn't sound like yes. something I want to do. I don't want to sit in a desk and sell paper. Like, doesn't paper sell itself? Right? You need it, <laughs> buy it, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's very dumb when in reality yes. you had that conversation. It's like, this is one of the largest growing, the fastest growing industries in the world is, is sports betting. And like, this goes right into sports betting it is fantasy football and they're tied together. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's the new age of everything, but um. I don't even know if you asked a question there, but that was my, that's my, that's my thoughts on that. 
Not really. Uh, I will ask you a question here, though. So you go to Player Profiler, you kind of just you start from the bottom, right? You start as a, a game charter, and it's something that I, once upon a time, applied to do, and then I saw all the work that goes into it, and it yep. looked like a fucking grind. I'm not going to lie. And I was just like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is back when I first started podcasting with Adam, too, and I'm scared shitless the whole thing, and I'm like, ah. Uh. Man, these guys are, are fucking gangsters out here just charting every single game. But that's how you start. So how do you how do you move up? And eventually, I guess the big question is, how do you go from, you know, you started doing more content, you started becoming more of a public figure, but then to make the leap to actually being in person, man. But the first time I saw you with media credentials asking questions, you know, get, the clip gets posted on Twitter, and I'm going, holy shit, Cody, look at this guy. He's out here talking to fucking real players. This is the man. How do you make that leap? What's that journey like from from starting from charting games, you know, diving into the film and, and writing every single fucking thing that happens down to now you're standing at the uh, the NFL Combine asking questions? This is so. This is a long one here. Um, That's all right. We, it's something what the that show's for baby. <laughs> it's something that nobody really like understands or knows because it's not something I definitely I definitely don't talk about, you know, the ins and outs of exactly what I do on a daily basis. Everyone I you know, everyone I talk to is just like, "Oh, content, cool, right? You do a show or you do the, you know, you talk about draft players or whatever." Um, but yeah, I think the beginning of the beginning, like I mentioned before in that lead up was I literally just joined Matt's Patreon and his post was about asking for game charters and this was like August I want to say it was August 18 or August 2019 might've been 2019. And he's like, I need game charters. So I said, all right, you know, I'll do it. And it was like, they didn't pay very much. I think they paid like 20 or 25 bucks a game. Um, and it's a very monotonous job. The job sucks, but if you're degenerate, it's something that can really elevate you and take you to the next level. There's a number of people that are working for other companies right now in the space, whether it's NBC sports edge, whether it's Roto grinders, whether it's Roto world, you know, that people came from charting and grew into go to those roles and become writers or become analysts, whatever. Um, so yeah, step one was that I became a charter and, um, charting in itself in, in short is essentially the game ends. So the, 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 the 1 PM central game or 1 PM Eastern game kicks off ends at 4 PM. And then about five 36 o'clock at night, you get a chart sent to you and that chart has play by play from the entirety of let's say the Vikings Tampa Bay game. And you're going to go back through on NFL, um, NFL plus rewatch that entire game. And you get a chart, everything you get a chart, the formation that the player were lined up in every single player. That is, you got to chart the quarterback. You get to chart the yards gained yards lost, you know uh, what formation they were in X, Y, Z across the board. I could bore you with it, but everything a player profiler yeah. that's on their database comes yeah. from the charting team. So that's what I did. I did that all my sophomore year of college. Um, so if you're following that timeline, I mentioned meeting that guy my freshman year, watching Matt all throughout. And then the sophomore year was when I joined the charting team, charted all year um, during that 2019 season. And then um, 2020 season comes around and I was elevated from a formation charter to a performance charter because there's two different charts. Performance is much more advanced. And I started to do that my it would have been my junior year of, of college. And within two weeks, um, one of the other people had to step down. One of the people that was sending charts. So Nick Coder is a complete OG in the game. He built all the charts for player profiler. Yeah. And there's another guy that was working with him that had to step down and they're like, you know, 
basically how I attack stuff in, in life and it's how I think everybody should attack stuff is just going 300%, you know, nose to the grindstone in at it. If you're going to go do something, go do it hard as you can. And that's kind of what I did. And so instead of doing one game a week, I'd do maybe two, maybe three, maybe four games a week. And, you know, each dip till three o'clock in the morning. But you could do that in college. And that's the benefit of having yeah. that opportunity. So some people look at college as like, oh, I got to go to college to, to you know get a degree to get a job. It's like I just went to I don't know why the hell I went. And I just ended up falling into this. And um, grinding was the way to kind of get me through it. So anyway, to follow that track, I started doing the performance charts. I think it was 2020. By week two, they had asked me to take over to be in charge of the formation team. So I was no longer charting. I was just in charge of sending the charts. That was really the first step that allowed me in the door at player profiler. And <clears throat> so I did, I did that for the remainder of the 2020 season. I occasionally charted. And then at the end of that season, I really didn't have a role, right? There was no full-time jobs. Josh was not full-time at that time. Frank, the engineer engineer for player profiler was not full-time. And um, there was really not a lot of, there's not a, an abundance of money going into it. Um, so then that winter, I realized that I needed an internship to graduate college. Didn't, didn't, uh, I thought I could do it after college was over. So I thought I could graduate and then do it that summer. Right. I was wrong. So I emailed Matt and all I had done was chart that one year and he's like, Hey, let's have a meeting. So we, we talked for 20 minutes and he's like, Oh, cool. We can do an internship. And it was a completely unpaid internship from January of 2020 through may of 2020 which is when covid was it went through covid covid hit halfway through and then after that um i basically did for that i just like gathered data and boring stuff like that during the combine put headshots on player pages stuff like that august comes around i moved to virginia i said hey man whatever you got throw it at me he's like actually we got a couple projects i'd like you to work on so all right so i said all right cool let's do it you know i was gonna write um and um, I can't remember what else I was going to do. I think I was going to chart like the all 22 stuff. And basically that month right there was just like, Hey, you know, we're going to start you out at X about X amount per hour. And then we had a meeting like a couple of days later and was like, actually, we're going to pay you this much per month or per week. And then he goes, actually, you know what? We're going to pay you this much per month. And I think I got like, this is not to sound egotistical at all, but I, I think I got like five bumps in like a month. And that nice. was really what, nice. that was really what allowed me to go from like, I'm like, I, like I was literally moved across the country to Virginia with my wife who was going to med school. Didn't really have much of an income planned. I was graduated from college through COVID and it was like, all right, man, I'm gonna make like, you know, 15, 20 bucks an hour doing a little bit of content, but I got to go find like a job at like the Hilton down the street or right. something. Right. Yeah. And it ended up going bang, 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 bang. And I was like, okay, this is enough to kind of just like, I can, I can hang on, right. I can hang on to the monkey bars doing this job. Yes. And then I just kind of went from there and, and really to, to, to kind of come full circle with your question was when did the content start? The content started that 2020 season. I think it was like week six or week five. And I was talking to Matt on a meeting call. We talked like four times a week because I was in charge of the charting team, the entirety of the charting team at, by this point. And I was like, you know, this Jalen Guyton asshole, he's not good, but he's just got, he's got all these air yards. He's really fast. And I think there's going to be an opportunity for him um, in DFS. And he just looks at me. He's like, who the fuck's Jalen Guyton? And I was like, <laughs> he's not good, but he's going to get opportunities. And then we were like talking and I was like, I can't remember the other guy that we brought up when we were talking about. And I just said opportunities. And he's like, you, you should do a show. And I was like, uh, I've never done a show in my life. I don't know. I don't have a 
mic. I don't have a camera. I don't have anything. Yes. He's like, oh, I'll get you a camera. I'll get you a mic. So I think I went and actually bought a mic that next day. He sent me a camera in the mail and I started doing a show called Undercovered Ops. And that's how yes, that came sir. about. Literally just yes, off of the conversation. It was just like, you should do a show. And I was like, okay. And that's that was the first step. And I sucked ass. I recorded my first episode four times. Four times, four one and a half hour episodes recorded before the final one because my breathing was so bad. And it was like <sighs> in the mic, like whoever if, if you're making this into a podcast, people are gonna hate that. But like that's literally was like, yeah, man. I like and it was like the breathing was just terrible. And so I had to record it like four times and and then you know got better and better and better. And that's when Josh was at player profiler, and that's kind of when we started to build and build and build and build and build. And then by that next spring, I started to do more draft stuff. And then that's when we went full-time. We both went full-time in, um, I think it was like April 2021, I want to say it was. So, um, yeah, that's that's what took me to the next step was literally just um, reaching out, doing the charting, and grinding. And the, the grind is what, um, Matt, I guess, Matt Matt's told me this before. We're like, that's what really allowed me to take the next step up because not everyone – People want to watch games. People want to chart the games. People want to make money for watching football, but not everybody wants to make it or can, or has the feasible time to make it a full-time yes. job. Right. They don't have like, like me, like I told you, I was doing like maybe three or four games a week. People don't have time to do that. People don't have time to be up from 7 PM until 4 AM charting a football game on a Sunday night. People have work, people have kids, et cetera, et cetera. But I just happened to be in college living with my girlfriend that I was like, Hey, I'm going to stay up all night and I'm going to watch football. And she's like, okay, you're making $100 a week doing that? I was like, yeah. Okay. And then that's what, that's really <laughs> like, that's, people notice stuff like that. Like I've noticed, you know, whilst running the charting team at Player Profiler, I had like four guys over the course of probably four years that I were like, that's my dude every week. That's my dude. If I have a problem, that's the dude. And I just can, I don't know if it's like a, you see yourself in those people or stuff, but it's, very yeah. few people, you know, have the it, have the grind in them. So, um, it it I all sounds good. That's what it all it. sounds good in theory, right? Doing fantasy football and like making yeah. money at fantasy football by doing content or doing how you started. But, but kind of like you said, man, not everybody's cut out to do it. And I mean, there was a lot of times, a lot of times for Adam and I before, and, and we haven't like officially made it or anything. This ain't me tooting my horn. It's still a damn grind. But there's a lot of times where you're doing it for zero dollars, like zero. Nobody yep. cares. You're working for free. Like you talked about doing an unpaid internship for months, for months. Mm -hmm. First thing, if you get into it for just money, you're probably going to fail. You're yep. probably going to fail. You need to get into it for the right reasons because you like doing it and you have a bigger, grander picture of where you want to be in four years, five years. And just think about yourself, man. It's such an incredible accomplishment from starting there, this journey that you just talked about, to what you're doing now. Like, I'm I'm jealous every time I see you out there, right? Senior Bowl, asking questions, Combine, asking questions. Now you're over at Roster Watch, some of the dopest people out there as far as access goes and guys I've been tuning into for years. It's incredible. It's incredible the journey that you've been on, and, and you deserve every single bit of it because you worked your ass off for it, Cody. And I think about that. Undercover Ops, man, I remember that. I remember the first show. You have no idea how many of those I listened to. Speaking of uh, 
of relationships in this industry, sauna Nate. I got my own sauna just next door, but I'd be in the sauna and I'd have undercover ops on, you know, trying to get those little edges every single week. Like, all right, Cody out here dropping fucking nuggets. <laughs> I don't remember if the first couple were about Jalen Guyton, but there were some some real turd balls in there I know I got. Kyler I Johnson? Got... <laughs> yes. <laughs> some real shit stains that I got to put the light up, you know, if I really needed to, or building out a DFS lineup going, yeah, I heard Cody talk about this. Fuck. Demir Bird. Let's go. Yeah, let's Demir, go. Demir Bird was an OG because I got some, I actually made a good follower out of that. Was His name's like Lenny Longshoes on Twitter. Um, he probably listens to, to my stuff still because I know he, he came around. But I remember the one of the first episodes I ever did was on Demir Bird, and it was like, Demir Bird with Cam Newton. And it was like air yards. And like this guy had like three for 84. And I was like, his upside's there because there's nobody in, in New England. And this guy's like, you're an effing idiot. You don't know shit. <laughs> this guy sucks. Cam Newton blows. Blah. And then he like emailed Matt like a big thing of like two paragraphs. And he was like, this show's dumb. Why are we, why are you talking about Demir Bird? This is a terrible analysis. And then that week he went out and went like three for 95. <laughs> had like six targets and one of the targets was a complete was a complete overthrow for cam newton but like bird had dusted some guy so it should have been like four for 130 a touchdown and this and then i i tweeted back at the guy and i was like stick it and he's like <laughs> follow he followed me and i was like all right i win it was like that was like the got him. i was like all right i think i can do a show i think i got this thing and that's that was that was like one of my favorite moments i would say i'm, I'm glad shows. you get it man everybody always remembers your failures not a lot of people remember your victories <laughs> All right, let's just say that. Like, as many people out here giving me shit about my shitty Brock Purdy takes, which they have been dog shit, but know where hey, I'm coming from. I'm you you like Brock Purdy, right? I fucking hate Brock Purdy. Oh, you better. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. He looked good yesterday. He did. He did. He did. I can admit <laughs> it, though. I'm an Iowa fan. He went to Iowa State. You that's know the right, rivalry. That's right. That's, I just, right, that's right. I can't fucking stand him. Uh, I'd never want anything good to happen to him, ever. It, like, <laughs> it, too, it like, it's my guy Trey Lance, too. Like, Trey Lance yep. is the one who, who lost out on this whole thing, so it's just hard. It's hard for me to admit, but people remember that stuff. They don't remember you last year telling everybody, hey, go get Justin Fields. Go get two at a discount. Like, these are the quarterbacks to get. They're not going to give me credit for sticking by Mac Jones all offseason because last last year he had a fucking dog shit offense coordinator who was a defensive guy and that Joe Judge who's a special teams guy calling fucking plays. And now you get Bill O'Brien back and all of a sudden against the Eagles defense, Mac Jones looks pretty fucking competent. <laughs> yeah, yep. look at that. Yep. Imagine that. Nobody's going to remember that one, but they'll remember the Brock Purdy shit forever. They'll remember the fact that I held on to Antonio Gibson for far too long and could could acknowledge the fact Ron Rivera hates everything about him. <laughs> hates his soul. Hates him down to the crust. So it's it's part of the content game. Cody, let me ask you then. So you've gone through all this and you are where you are right now. Do you still have like goals? Do you still set goals for yourself where you see yourself in a couple of years, like what you want to get to next? I do, but and this is a weird thing because I, I very much like read a lot of like David Goggins, read a lot of like listen to a lot of like Jocko Willink and guys mm -hmm. like that who like talk about just like growth and talking about goals and all that stuff. But I don't really usually talk about them that much. But I guess in 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 should because like you said, if you listen to the people like that talk about that stuff, they're like you know you talk about it, you keep talking talk it into existence. And um, I've done that to this point to be honest with you i've talked about like 
doing certain things, working with certain people, working for certain people. Like that was one of the things, like when I began at player profile, I was like, I'm going to do this. And then I, I went, I went and did everything I said I was going to do, but I didn't tell anybody. I told my wife. Right. And that was it. And so I guess, you know, I haven't sat down and thought about goals really um, since departing player profile because I kind of accomplished everything I had set out to do at player profiler. I got, I got to the highest point you can get to. And I was doing, I was, you know, I was in a good place, um, but I was just doing too much behind the, behind the scenes off, off screen stuff. And I wanted to, wanted to do more of this, this focus stuff, doing more content, having a whole season focused on content. Um, I think, to answer your question without keeping on rambling, it would be one of my original OG goals, um, which I think a lot of degenerates in the space probably share the same one. So people are going to be like, that's dumb. It's like, you want to be a general manager for a football team, for an NFL football team. Like that's the, that's the top, that's the, that's the top of the line. Right. Um, but you know that there's just multiple things that go into that. And it, it, it takes knowing the right people. It takes having those right conversations. And I think that um, I know I didn't ask you a question earlier about like, being in attendance for the senior bowl and the combine and the super bowl and all this stuff. But that goes in line with that is like, you have to make those connections and go to those events um, to kind of take that next step. And I don't think I'm quite where I, I don't think I'm, I'm not where I want to be as far as being an NFL draft analyst um, just because the last two years, I just haven't had the, the hours in the week um, devoted to doing my best at the, at, at, in that, in that genre. And that's what I wanted 2023 slash 2024, that cycle to be focused on. I want to be the best that I could be in that, in that, in that focus. Um, and I think doing that will allow me to take the next step and maybe the next two steps in the NFL draft uh, center. And I think you can see the guys like the Dane Bruglers of the world who have very much respect the, um, I respect Lance Zierlang at NFL.com. I respect Daniel Jeremiah at NFL.com. These are some of the, the OGs of the space. And that's like, that's my 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 goal career arc um, to kind of put it out there, I guess, on wax that I've I've never really told people that other than my wife. But um, that's kind of in my that's in my goals and my views um, for the future. And then of course, like like like, like everybody else, the, the shoot the moon one is is always to want to be a general manager for a football team. Um, so yeah. Oh man, I can fucking see it, buddy. I really can. I can see it in 10, 15 years. 20 years if i'm still fucking around if i haven't kicked kicked the bucket and died yet because i'm such a big fat ass <laughs> like if i'm still around like i'll be on x or z or whatever the fuck they'll be calling it then it'll be a tweet you know whether it's actually whether it's you actually get into the the gm spot or reaching that mountaintop it's like insiders are telling me so-and-so is going pick 101 in the draft and it's going to be coming from cody carpentier <laughs> it's going to be that one it's going to be that one check out my latest mock draft on nfl.com <laughs> like that's going to be you buddy it's going to happen one that's you work goal, your buddy. ass off you work your ass off and two you're good at what you do very good at what you do whether it started in undercover ops to where you are now when you say something i pay attention and listen now it's like anything else in fantasy football, anything else in this. Your outcome range is always going to be wild, and people only remember the the 30% you miss on. They only remember the 35% you miss on. No one gives a shit that you hit the other 65% out of the ballpark, right? Every single time, that's how it is. But NFL teams are the same way. Some of them are even less. You got much more success than some of these guys out there that are making draft picks because we know the teams that are like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Jesus. How do you year trade after year. Three, same how do you stuff. Trade, 
Yeah, how do you trade three first-round picks for a quarterback that you give two starts to? <laughs> Come on. Come on. What are you guys doing? But, Cody, you're absolutely incredible. So, we got the personal stuff out of the way. We got the spotlights. Let's get a couple quick hitters here. Week one just happened yesterday. Do you have any big mm-hmm. takeaways? Like, what was probably your biggest one where you go, holy shit, made you pay attention? Or, or somebody that opened your eyes? Or somebody that just absolutely shit all over hopes that you had for them? <laughs> Well, so I'll start with the first one. This is going to be the one you just talked about. People only remember the 30% you get wrong, but I'm going to make sure they remember this one, and that's Hayden Hurst. I've been talking oh, about yeah. him for the last month, and I'm going to – I gave rem- you shit on Saturday night I'm just, about hey. Hayden Hurst. <laughs> and what is he right now? He's a tight end two on the week, baby. I know, man. Um, and, and I'm going to say this one time, one time only. Again, you're going to remember this one, Hayden Hurst. Um, this is a stat that I just found. It's called the extrapolation tool. Uh, a lot of people on Twitter like to use this one for the guys that are like, you know, Tyreek Hill is projected for 3,600 receiving yards or yeah, this crazy yeah, shit yeah. after like the first quarter. I like this one right here. It's called uh, Hayden Hurst. If you if you take what he did in week one and you project it over the entire season, uh, which is not a lot, right? He only had the five receptions for 40 yards and a touchdown. It's not a lot. But if you extrapolate that over 17 games, old buddy is tight end two by a a whopping 50 points ahead of the number tight end two, the tight end two of last year. And I know 17 touchdowns is a ton, but if you cut that baby in half and you give him eight, he's 10 points ahead of tight end three from last season. And I think that that game was a, was a mediocre floor for a Hayden Hurst. As far as the targets go, I think you're going to continue to get a five to seven guaranteed every single week uh, during the NFL season with Bryce Young at quarterback. So I had Hayden Hurst projected as the tight end six in week one and old buddy uh, surpassed that. So I'm, I'm super happy for Hayden Hurst. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a nail. That's a big win. The the biggest takeaway though, for me from week one, and again, I'm only through half the games as far as rewatching them. Um, that is one, the, the sheer um, upgrade in the overall NFL's edge and defensive line everybody's defensive line and edge that i've watched so far has looked fantastic san fran pittsburgh is pretty obvious um carolina Derek brown and brian burns menaces absolute jokers dude the uh the jacksonville front looked good the indianapolis front looked good two teams i did not think were going to be good at all um tampa bay and minnesota looked mediocre tampa bay's defensive line though was the best unit on the field i thought um during that game so i just think overall uh, the defensive line uh abilities have gotten better in the nfl or maybe the offensive lines have gotten worse but the number one takeaway is zay flowers zay flowers is (laughs) quite literally quite literally antonio brown oh antonio brown it's that one it's um i'm watching it and i tell you i watched this game back like multiple times like every time flowers would get targeted i was like rewind Rewind, watch the route, rewind, watch the separation, rewind, watch the burst, rewind, watch the catch, rewind. Like, and you have to do it every single time. It's like, okay, so his twitch, what is this? This isn't Tyree Kill. This isn't supernatural. Okay. Think, think, think. Route running. Nobody can touch him. It's like this is young Antonio Brown. That's all I can think of. This is young Antonio Brown in Lamar Jackson's offense. So what am I? What I'm saying is, are we gonna are we gonna get the back to back to back number one wide receiver seasons out of Antonio Brown in Zay Flowers? No, I don't think so because this offense isn't built that way. Right. But the talent on the field is big school rookie breakout Antonio Brown. That's what Zay Flowers is, and we talked about it all spring. Himothy.com. I talked. Put that next to his name all through the spring. Like this is the dude. This is. 
that's my top takeaway so far from week one. And again, I haven't finished every single game, but this is, it's, it's awesome. It's like, he's so clearly the best receiver in this class. It's not even funny after watching a week on the, on the, on the wax. Yeah. Uh, so first on your Hayden Hurst thing, man, uh, Saturday night, you and I went back and forth about Hayden Hurst just a little bit, Luke Musgrave and round one definitely goes to you. But I think the bigger picture for me is uh, like, if I just look at it from a dynasty lens too, um, which is so much of what we do, uh, he's tight in 34 like an ADP off the board, Hayden Hurst was. Free. And I think you, you just chalk that up for Warp Tool and A-Warp right there because I've since we've got these tools and I've div- dove into them, it doesn't really matter unless it's like a two tight end league with a, a full PPR, like tight end premium. Tight ends, bro, just don't fucking matter outside of guys who are going to be top two. Like outside of those Kelsey Andrews is kind of what I was saying. Like those guys who can be the tight end one overall by a long shot, it was those dudes. Everybody else, man. I'm not spending draft capital on those guys in the middle. Like, I'm an Eagles fan, but not Dallas Cotter, not Pat Fryermaker, not, not TJ Hawkinson, not George Kittle, like none of these dudes. I don't want them. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take three or four of these guys in this Hayden Hurst range, like these guys. And if you if you listen to smart people like Cody, like you got yourself a target. I'm going to take Hayden Hurst. I'm going to take a Jawan Johnson. I'm going to take a, you know, Jake Ferguson, whatever the yep. fuck it is. And this is what you're going to roll out at tight end. Ta-da. The the Zay Flowers one too. I, I had a lot of questions too. Just how would you rank these rookies? And and like how could you have Quentin Johnston over Zay Flowers? How could you do it? And I'm going, my biggest problem is Zay Flowers is small. Zay Flowers is small. And historically we just haven't seen that work. Now I'm not saying he doesn't have immense talent. I just want to actually see it work and talk about it working in week one in a big fucking way. Like, I feel bad forever listening to QJ over Zay Flowers. So, Cody, let me ask you then. You got to re-rank these rookie wide receivers, JSN, Zay Flowers, Addison, QJ. How are you putting them? Zay, Addison, JSN, QJ. Oh, Zay at number one. Easy. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 was, I had JSN number one coming in, and the biggest thing for me was deciphering between Zay and Addison because Addison's such a good route runner, but he's also slender-bodied. And I just the upside that he showed at Pitt was something that Zay didn't quite show at Boston College. And I was like, I was just like, I think Addison has a better chance of hitting. I think, but those guys were like two A, two B for me all throughout the process. Um, I was not big on QJ at all, uh, just because of Alex. Alex Dunlap went to the TCU Pro Day, said it was a, a, a raging fart, um, and oh, no. And then QJ obviously ran slower than he was expected to to run at the combine, and he just did not look like. A bona fide alpha. So I was just out from the jump, really, on QJ. But yeah, so I would go if I had to re rank him, I'd go Zay one. Um, and then it's Jason and Addison. I'd probably lean JSN actually, and then Addison. So from a dynasty perspective, too, if we think about this, people are going to have JSN way over Zay Flowers, even after this Zay yep. Flowers breakout and JSN not really doing anything. What would be a reasonable plus for you and like if you think about it in a dynasty league? Because market's gonna dictate JSN over Zay Flowers. But if you've got some JSN and you'd like to go get some Zay Flowers, like what are you taking back as a plus that you feel comfortable about? I don't know, man. I, I, I gotta I gotta go back through my, my dynasty rankings after the game tonight too, because I, I moved Zay up uh like eleven spots at the wide receiver position just last week. Um coming into the season. I had him at wide receiver thirty three, moved him up to wide receiver twenty one. And I have Jackson at wide receiver seven coming into the season in dynasty. Mm. Like that's how, that's how 
confident I was in Jackson. I still am confident in Jackson. So I don't know what that does. I don't know if I'm moving Jackson down right. or if I'm moving Zay, Zay all the way far. all the way up into that tier. Like that's a that's a conversation I really have to have with myself this week. And that's gonna be a tough one. Cause that's that's jumping guys like for me, Devonta Smith. Like, does he jump Devonta Smith for me? He's clearly the wide receiver one in Baltimore. It's not even close. Yeah. Odell looks Odell looks good, but it's not even close about Zay Flowers. Like, and, and Bateman's not really in that conversation. He's not, he's not the old Rashad Bateman, you know. So this is kind of sad. Like it's I, a big I was yeah. big time pulling for Rashad Bateman and couldn't do shit. Well, that's, <laughs> that's shit. your own damn that's your own damn fault. You're an Iowa fan. You shouldn't be cheering for a gopher. Um it's like me cheering for Amir Smith Marset, who's actually on the field doing things uh, over the last two years. I'm like, I'm like Rashad Bateman. Um, but yeah, I think that's just a very interesting thing. Is that I, when you ask that question, it's like, what do you have to add with Zay to get Jackson? Is that your question? Yeah, like what would you what would you need? Um, so so let's just say you hypothetically would, you got Jackson Smith, you got JSN on your team. You really yeah. like Zay Flowers after listening to this podcast? You go, holy shit! Like, I like what I see. Market's going to dictate JSN is damn near like four. If you just look at overall market, ADP, keep trade cut, however you want to fucking rank it. Like he's a top 15, top 12 dynasty wide receiver right now. Zay Flowers is more in that 20 range. So market's going to say JSN over Zay Flowers by quite a bit. I'm just asking like if you're a heady dynasty manager and you really believe in Zay Flowers, could you flip your JSN for Zay Flowers and what could you expect back on top? Could you get a second? Could you get two seconds? Could you get a first? I don't think you can get a first. Um, I don't think you'd get a first. Um, potentially one QB, you could potentially get a first, but I don't think you could. Two seconds, I think, is a good call on your end. Two um, seconds. I don't know if I, you know, I'd probably, I'd do that. Honestly, if I had Jackson, I was moving off him to get Zay. I would think, I think I'd move off Jackson um, and take Zay for with two seconds. People are going to say, well, that's, you know, you know, overreaction Monday. No, I don't think so. I watched back. I watched this whole game back, dude. This is exactly what we saw to Zay and exactly what we expected, and some. And I just was on a show on Sportstopia, one of my my weekly Monday show, and I was talking to Matt Gelka, and he's like, you know, talking about you know eh, Baltimore this, Baltimore that. And I was like, dog, when's the last time that Lamar Jackson threw a football to some dude ten times and he caught nine of them? First off, and his name wasn't Mark Andrews. Right. Like I don't know if Hollywood Brown ever caught ninety. 90% of the footballs that Lamar Jackson threw to him. Yeah. And they weren't in it because it, you know, Hollywood was like predominantly a downfield guy. Zay's does everything. He, he's got bubbles, right? Bubbles left out of the backfield, everything, you name it. Like, and this guy's doing it and the ball's getting to him. It's not like, you know, they're not all bouncing to him and shit and they're giving him opportunities in space. It's just, I don't know. I, I'm, I guess part of the nerve would be what does it look like when Andrews comes back? But I mean, shit, man, just the upside that we just saw in week one and you know, it's only going to continue to grow. Um, make yeah. me really happy for Zay. I think he's, you mentioned the market has Zay around the twenties and Jackson around the 12 area. I got Jackson at seven. I got Zay at 21. That's coming out. Of, that's what well, that was going into week one. Yeah. I think Zay for me right now, snap decision is going to be at least 12. I like it. I like it. So, 
All right, Cody, we'll get you out of here. Tell the people where they can find you at. I know it's uh, at Carpentier NFL on Twitter, but what are you working on over there at Roster Watch? Roster, Roster, jeez, man, I fucked that up so bad. I'm so sorry. Alex Dunlap's never going to let me on a show ever. He's never going to do anything with me ever again. <laughs> Roster Watch. When can they check you out? What nights? Like, what are your scheduled shows? Uh, my schedule's uh, all over the board. Um, Mondays uh, at, at at noon, I'm on Sportstopia, which is on the Better Sports Network. That's our Monday recap show. Uh, Monday nights, I got the top 10 takeaways, top 10 thoughts at Roster Watch on YouTube. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, me and Maddie Kewum are going to be doing the Hurdle, which is going to be on the Executives of Fantasy Football YouTube channel, a brand new YouTube channel. Got to go check that out for easier access. You can go to patreon.com forward slash executives to get access to that. You can find my weekly rankings at sportstopia.io or at rosterwatch.com. You can find all of our rankings as well as some of my midweek work. And finally, you can find me every other weekend on the even weekends, week two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, on SiriusXM channel 87 at 3 p.m. on Saturday afternoons. You can come join Roster Watch and chat up all things football and fantasy. So, yeah, that's a, too many things to name off, but I appreciate you guys. Carpentier NFL on Twitter and patreon.com forward slash executives to find everything, including my dynasty rankings. He's a busy man, a busy, busy man. Thank you for taking time out to hop on here. That's going to do it. We're going to bounce out of here, and we'll see you back here same time, same place next week with the other member of the executives, Mr. Matty Kewum himself will be filling in. So let's go. We're just we're just going to have executives back-to-back. If, if you guys get more exec, shit, I'll tell you what, I'll get Tiger on the week after. <laughs> Look at that. I'll get Tiger on the show. South Harvard Spotlight. Let's go. Appreciate everybody. We'll see you later.